Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are talking more Lord Dex as we review Lord Dex Episode 5, Cupid's Errant Arrow. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Stargate story themselves, Jeremy Barrow. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. I've, I've been up all day getting stuff done, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm feeling good. <laughs> Kicking tail and taking names. Here we go. All right, John, how are you, man? The uh, Trek story and John, how you doing? I am good, man. Doing pretty good. Just working and that's about it, man. Uh, what about you, Cal Jones? I'm doing pretty good. I say my neutron flow is really good after watching this episode, so I can't wait to talk about it. It just made your day, didn't it? He just jumped up and down when he heard that. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but, you know, we might get into it, but I'm, I mean, I'm clueless. Totally clueless. <laughs> okay, Mr. Clueless. <laughs> There's a lot of clueless to talk about. No, you're disappointing me already, man. Okay, guys, this is the call to action here. You can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review and telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that along with anything else you want us to know or talk about to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any of the social medias. Okay, guys, we are ready to get into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks, Cupid's Errant Arrow, which aired on September the 3rd, 2020. Mariner is suspicious of Balmer's new girlfriend while Tindy and Rutherford grow jealous of a bigger starship's gear. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Let's go around the horn and get everybody's high-level opinion of this episode. Let's just go in the same order. Jeremy, what do you think, man? Um... It's there. There has been some improvement over the first couple of episodes, but we still haven't we still haven't reached a good plateau yet. Interesting. What about you, John? I'm going to piggyback off of Jeremy's thoughts with the word "reach." Uh, there is a lot of reaching and not really grasping, and that is probably the best thing I can say right now. Oh wow, man! Like we're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> what about you, Cal Jones? So I'm going to disagree with the other two esteemed gentlemen and go in the opposite direction. I enjoyed this, and not for the reason that you're probably thinking I did, which, yes, it did add a layer of enjoyment to it. But I think I've learned what this series is. I've accepted what this series is, and I'm enjoying it for what it is. So I had fun watching this in a nutshell. What about you? As for me, I think I'm on your side of the fence, Cal. I really enjoyed the episode. Now, were there some things in there I thought were just silly and dumb and like, oh, my God, why would you do that? Yes, <laughs> there was plenty of that. But I think if you look at the A, B and C story going on in this episode, all of that is pretty interesting and cool. And most of it has a moral to it, which I always appreciate that. So I love these different layers of stories. In this episode, though, again, the silliness will always, always irk me. It will always irk me. It just it, it just feels like week after week we're struggling. I am struggling to find high points. And to me, a show shouldn't be that. Like at the end of the day, it should be entertaining for whatever it is and take it for what it's worth is good, but even still, I shouldn't have to struggle to find what I like. That is interesting because I thought it was something there for everybody. I think there was a great high point uh, as far as, you know, again, those, one of those few times they get the flashbacks correct or the references correct. I really enjoyed that. And I thought just the story of the ship or what the ship was doing was a cool Star Trekky thing. So for me, I thought it hit on all points. But again, like I said, there are some points that I really wish they would have left out because it's just too silly for Star Trek. But but, you know, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So let's go ahead and talk about what I'm calling the main plot or the A plot. Balmer and his newfound girlfriend, Barbara Brinson. Balmer says he has a girlfriend that sounds utterly unbelievable to Mariner, especially for a guy like Balmer. <laughs> Mariner finally gets to meet Barbara 
aboard the USS Vancouver as the team goes to assist. So first off, any thoughts on the gifts that Bulmer has in hand? It was a teddy bear and some flowers. It was a Jordy bear. <laughs> it was a, I did notice the visor. Yeah, that was it, cool. It was, it was Star Trek's Baby Yoda. It was a Jordy bear, man. How could you not see that? Because I'm to see that to see that means I was struggling to find something I would like. There are so many things wrong with that. It's easy to overlook the one thing they may have done good. You said there's so many things wrong with the episode. It's easy to overlook the one thing they may have done good. Is what you're saying? Just I mean, there's so many things wrong with the episode, but we're talking about this one, this moment, like the. A plot like there's so many things in my opinion wrong with this particular plot line that like that just never occurred to me that it was a Jordy bear. <laughs> I don't think that no matter what this show does, I don't think you're going to find something that is going to please you because it is not Star Trek. And the reason I think that is if I put myself into your shoes and take Star Trek away and replace this with Doctor Who, and it is a story about some offshoot characters and it's a comedy and whatever, I guarantee you I would be sitting there picking it apart because it is not what I want as Doctor Who. So... That being said, I I think when you're watching this, it is not what you're expecting because it's not traditional Star Trek. Does that make sense? It does, but understand me. Like at this point, I have removed Star Trek <laughs> from my brain when I watched this. Oh no! Like it's not it's not even close. Like I gave up on that the second episode in. Like that's not. Now I'm at the point I watch it. And I'm just watching it strictly for, is this going to be funny, entertaining media for me? Whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, Avatar, I don't care what it is. Is it going to be entertaining? And it is not. I think like, it was. I was just telling, I was just telling Jeremy, it's like, it's hard for me to even sit down and watch it. Like, that was the worst 40 minutes of my life that I spent watching this. Wow. So this is a digression in your in your opinion. So far much. So far regress. Okay. 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 Well, let's let's move on. I'm sure we're going to have more gripes. So, let's talk about again this this what I'm calling a plot. This this thing of manners, initial disbelief, utter shock, uh and eventual acceptance of the girlfriend of Bomber. First off, was Mariner's disbelief warranted? Is Bomer that weird slash bad of a guy that you would find it unbelievable that he'd have this extremely cool hot girlfriend who's higher ranked than he is? So here's where my problem. One problem is with this. Like there's no and I understand that it's a short show and it really shouldn't go that deep into story. But at some point, I we needed a small backstory to how this happened. So I don't and I kind of assume that Mariner just did not have any sort of like it's just out of a blue. Hey, I'm dating this hot chick on this other ship. That's an awesome ship. She's also a lieutenant and I'm who I am. Like, I wouldn't believe it either. Like, maybe if I, you know, overheard them talking, we kind of knew something about it. I mean, they've been dating for what do you say, a month, two months. There's there's nothing to say how this happened, where it come from. So I kind of I kind of with her like we don't count holiday relationships here because at this point, that's the only way I think he would have been dating anybody. See, my interpretation was he had already tried the holodeck thing before. And that was the context I took away from it is this better not be another holodeck girlfriend. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, they tried to give us that backstory, and you guys mentioned in that brief exposition of he's been talking about her for weeks. And I think they did enough there. But us being in current TV land, we want all that stuff to be set up episodes before we get here. So in that aspect, it was kind of all of a sudden. But I, I think that still was fine. I don't. I don't think that was too out of the ordinary. 
Because really, think about other shows. I mean, we don't always know the relationships of everybody that's on the ship. And we don't know how much time has passed between episode to episode. Well, even if not, you get some sort of hint. Even, even, I mean, there's some sort of hint. There was a, for instance, Mariner and the first officer had sort of a moment in his last episode or the last episode before last. Now, maybe season midway through season two, all of a sudden they wind up dating. I can be okay with that because it was hinted at in this episode. Like, I know there was something there. But to all of a sudden, like, how did he meet her? She's on an entirely different ship, obviously an entirely different class of ship. They're they're dealing with an entirely different set of responsibilities. Like, what led to this? How did it happen? I Where did you meet? They kind of hinted at some of that stuff in episode. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So they did. I mean, when you get to the end when Mariner and Brinson are having it out, they kind of uh, spend the rest of the episode talking about those things you just mentioned. Now, I agree with you at the beginning. We don't get any of that, but I think they kind of explain it at the end of the episode, man. Mm, it's a little late. And by that time, you got 40 other things you're trying to figure out why. <laughs> okay. Well, be that as it may. Be that as it may. So let's just talk about the descent into crazy from Mariner. So she had uh, Boomer. Boomer has his girlfriend. She's awesome. How in the heck does he pull a girl like this? And Mariner cannot believe it. No, again, is this warranted? I don't know. But as far as the descent into crazy goes, it I feel like that was way out of ordinary. But again, they kind of gave us hints and gave us reasons along the way on why Mariner was like this. And, you know, we got that really cool, awesome <laughs> Easter egg flashback where they're at on DS9. So did they actually call it DS9? I thought they called it something else. No, they didn't say it. They just mentioned the name of the ship in the uh, in the episode itself. Now, I don't accept that as the reason why she's crazy. My 100 percent belief is Mariner is jealous. No, I disagree. I, I took that completely as that's justification. No offense, but I took that immediately as that's justification of why because that was kind of she called it it happened she thought she saw it happening again yeah i mean the last thing ate her best friend so (laughs) i can see her being a little crazy about that type of stuff Mm, i think she just secretly have the hots for warner and don't want to meet it i don't think so i don't think she has the hots for him I think she she secretly considers him like her best friend and this could, is really concerned about his well-being. But I think this more had to do with her being right than had to do with his well-being. Maybe. Maybe. Again, if there was some better writing in this, you would have, <laughs> I can't disagree with that. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. But 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 what I loved about this episode was seeing because because not only did we see crazy from Mariner, we got to see crazy from Baumler as well when uh what's the guy's name? Jet. Jet. When 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 he sees the relationship that Jet and Brinson had, you know, we get to see crazy Balmer again. You know, he he descends just like Mariner does. And then at the very end we get to see that Brinson was also a little crazy because she thought that how does Balmer has an awesome friend like this? You know? So I I like how it was crazy really on all sides. And I think Jet was the X factor in the whole thing that made it fun for me and funny. So Agreed. Mm. Totally agree. <laughs> I think they went a little overboard with the crazy. They should have spent more time in the depth of this than they spent on portraying the crazy. I mean, I get it. And it was a great add on to the plot. Like, I think it helped. But I think we went a little too far overboard with it. See, this isn't even a plot line that the crazy got on my nerves. The Rutherford and, and um, Rutherford and Tindy plot line, that's the one that got on my nerves for the craziness. Uh, uh, Barbara mentions, or Bun Bun, whatever you want to call her, she mentions that uh, <laughs> that they had a time trip to the 1920 Chicago. She mentions wearing a mask, which isn't that the time that the Spanish flu was yeah, ending in the yeah, 20s? It was getting over, yeah, because it was 1918, 1919. So yeah, it was on the back end of it yeah that was that was pretty cool but also cal she mentions 
a off the use science fiction phrase that may have maybe started on a show that you like? Um, maybe at four minutes and 40 seconds into the episode, perhaps, where she said <laughs> that she reversed the polarity. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But that was my favorite quote. Just FYI. <laughs> they, they got back by reversing the polarity and rebooting the time stream. So, hey. Yes. <laughs> cool Doctor Who Easter egg. But, but reverse polarity is like used in everything today. But I, it, it, it did start on Doctor Who, didn't it, Kyle? Yeah. Oh, yep. Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow, third doctor, 19. 70. Hey, John Pertwee was a good doctor, I will admit. I did enjoy I did enjoy his series. But for me again, why I buy Mariner's descent into craziness is that she give there's a point where she gives a bunch of good reasons. She makes the statement when a Starfleet relationship seems too good to be true then red alert, and then she goes into all of these references to other shows where stuff has went crazy. Alien who's going to eat you, Romulan spy, Salt Succubus android changeling and then the sexy people in rompers uh <laughs> who uh murder you if you walk on the grass which i thought was funny but but yeah I, I you know was she over the top yes but she kind of had reasons she had very good reasons and uh for me when i th- thought of someone who had who has had a bunch of problems with relationships on star trek i, I instantly thought of harry kim for some reason but oh yes and kim yeah and then in addition to those examples she gave, I mean, I think that the Deanna Troy had a few episodes. I think I know Crusher had an episode where she was dating this crazy guy. And, you know, I think even Rogers Data had, had a couple episodes that was terrible when yeah. Data was dating Nancy Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's enough history in Star Trek to justify that. But I want want to mention real quick. There are a couple of references that got on my nerves and they were both from Bomer. Um, the first one was hmm, when he talked about Q on Picard Day. You know, it was a cool reference, but like, why would he even know that? It's just for us, the fans. It has nothing to do with the show or them on the ship. And that's service. Yeah, and that's when I hate the references. If they have nothing to do with their, nothing to directly tie into what they're talking about or stuff they should even know about, it gets on my nerves. It really does. And then he also mentions one about a Kirk, Kirk, Kirk and Chip Tucker Sunday or something with sprinkles. I don't know. It was stupid. He shouldn't have been even saying that. You know, it's like self-referential to Star Trek. It's it's just and that that's kind of part of, again, part of the problem. Like and and kind of back up what Kyle says, if you're trying to take this as a trick fan, trying to expect trick from it. You're not going to enjoy it, but they insist on injecting this bit of trick in it instead of trying to make their own path. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just is is not even you. You miss those. I, a lot of these Easter eggs you're talking about, I missed them because I, I wasn't looking for it. Like, if I know if I'm looking for trick in it, I'm going to be disappointed. I want to see what Lord Dex is going to be. I want Lord Dex to be good because it's Lord Dex. Yeah, and I like if you keep that. throwing trick in it, you're making it worse. Now, I will give them the one thing that kind of made me smile. I wouldn't even say smile. I just like that they mentioned it on the DS9 scene where they were talking about all the crazy stuff that was happening. And they said, hey, you heard about uh, Data's brother is ganged up with the Borg now. And Yeah, Descent 1 and 2, right? Right, right, right. So, that I mean, that was pretty good. That was a good. But again... Here you go. You brought me right back to Trek. So now I'm thinking, huh, you gave me DS9 and it kind of makes you think Trek again. And they need to let it go. Like we call it Star Trek lore decks. That needs to be enough. And if you try to do any more than that, you're going to have to do a lot more to make it live up. Otherwise, let it go. I, 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 I can agree with that. Let it stand on its own. We don't have to drop references all day just to try to make the show good. Like I read, I was reading some reviews before we got on. And one of the reviews said, you know, it's just lazy joke writing. Mm, wow. Like it, they're just reaching for things to grab people and, and it's not working. Funny for the sake of being funny when it's not funny. Right. Or silly for the sake of trying to be funny, I guess. Uh, man, I don't know. I really like Bomer trying to research the clothes of the coolest people in history. And the only one I caught that. I thought might be part of his clothing was the Michael, the the black part of the jacket. I thought it might have been the Michael Jackson bad jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
seemed like one of them, part of the jacket or part of the hat, was like the Back to the Future. Oh, it seems. Was it? Huh. The other part of the jacket was like a Starfleet jacket. I, I saw Back to the Future on there somewhere, and I couldn't remember if it was the hat, jacket, or shoes. It might. I think it was a. Sh- might have been the shoes. Man, y'all see how far you're trying to reach to find to make well, sense out of this. But it has. I mean, this is just like another thing in the episode. We you can totally brush over this and not get anything out of it. I thought it was cool because when I saw that, I was trying to like think who who are the people that he's replicating. Oh, well, I I, I kind of always you know that I tell Jeremy this sometimes. You know, Jeremy can we can be watching something and like just a minute ago, I think they're playing a Rocky marathon. And like the Russian guy who's fighting Jeremy said something about him having a he's like a master. Dolph Lundgren has like a master's in chemical engineering or yeah. So and it's like little facts like that. Like I I really don't. It doesn't matter to me. Like I I I, I want to see that person acting in that role and what what they do in real life is not that important. I don't like to take my attention away from the main goal on side facts and. This is, whether it's, you know, Easter eggs or where this clothing came from he has on. Like, is it good? Is it good? If it's really good and then I can say, oh, and this and that and that, then I'm okay with that. Maybe, maybe I'm not making sense. Okay, so the what he was wearing there in the 80s, the big gold chains were a big thing. And he's got, got three of those on. And there is the other side of the jacket. I don't. Mr. T- no, 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 not 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 as not as big as Mr. T. I'm talking about the like, not the the chain <laughs> chain, but the and then there's a the, a part of the jacket that looks familiar, but I can't call it. Hmm. All right. Well, well, well I, I, okay. <laughs> I'm really pretty going to press John on this. So tell me the shuttle scene with Jet and Barbara was not funny. No. <laughs> oh my God, that's that had nothing to do with Star Trek. It could have been any show. I thought it would have been funny. That's what I got written down. That's my point. I mean, I'm not expecting <laughs> to be any part of Star Trek. I'm expecting it to be good. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Come on, J- Jeremy. What do you think of that scene? I, I enjoyed the scene, but okay. So let me let me justify everything Jonathan's saying by just saying this. Since we started reviewing this show, we have pronounced these people's names all kind of wrong, and very few of us have bothered to correct each other with the proper pronunciation. That's to me. That's like literally overall how little we are. How can I, how can I word this properly? Care? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's probably not the right word, but that's close. I mean, you know, we're not even worried about the characters' names. Well, I try to pronounce them right. I'm sorry. I don't do. <laughs> But but I mean I, I've heard Bomber's name pronounced Boiler Boomer, <laughs> Bummer like you know several different ways and mm-hmm. even myself you know in my head I'm thinking that's not how you say it but not concerned enough about the show because it's just not good enough for me to want to correct you oh. and even even this shuttle scene like are you really surprised that's what that was like when he was hearing those sounds like I immediately said. This is going to be them trying to get something in something. It's not going to be what he thinks it is. Like, did we not know that already? So it's not funny when they walk in and they're trying to get something up on the wall. Like, there was no thought into it. It's like the said, hey, we need to insert a funny here. What would be funny? Oh, this would be funny. It works every time. And 15,000 other shows. Let's put it oh, in here. Come on, John. You're being harsh, man. You're being overly mm-hmm. harsh. Because, listen, I, I, I've tried. I swear, and I hate to be negative, guys. I really do. I really don't want to be on this podcast and be negative. I want to give some positive. But I, I want y'all to understand how much I dislike this. <laughs> <laughs> like and, and it's just they they're not even trying is what upsets me the most. Like they're not even trying to make it good. It's like they're just slapping paint on the wall and saying, "Look, it's art." Putting lipstick on a pig. Right. Like it's not even a try in it. You're wasting a lot of money. We waste wasting a lot of opportunity, and they're not doing anything with it. You're on a soapbox, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. If it was up to me, though, I mean, honestly, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have made this a comedy. I would have did more like Carrie mentioned, like the Clone Wars or something like that, where it's a serious cartoon take on it. Right. Uh, Because I just don't think they saw the Orville and got giddy. Right. (laughs) Ooh, we want that. And this is not as clever as the Orville is. (laughs) Not in any sense. Like if Seth MacFarlane would have written this, it would have been great, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Like they're they're not even trying. 
It, it's this is not even trying, and that's what's bothering me. Like well, there's so much potential. I want to love this so much. I really do. Like the animation is great. The characters are great. It's Star Trek. That's great. But they're just wasting it. Time after time, they're wasting it. Scene after scene, they're wasting. It. When this could be a very great scene, they take the lazy way out. I don't this know. This shovel man. scene <laughs> could have been a really great scene, a really creative scene, with not much effort. And they wasted it with a run-of-the-mill shot. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Okay. All right. So let me ask you a question. Do you watch the cartoon Rick and Morty? I don't. I've watched part bits and pieces of it, and I didn't really like it either. Okay. So I just think that – and because you made me have a little light bulb moment that may uh, kind of explain some of this, and at least to me. You said if Seth MacFarlane were to have done this, that it would be out of the ball, you know, you know, be a home run. And honestly, I agree with you. I think that is a true statement. I think Rick and Morty are a are is a show that you either really, really like it or you really, really, really don't get it. You hate <laughs> it. And I've never really even watched it. But just from looking at it, even though I know it's about time travel and all this stuff. I've never given it a chance because it just didn't appeal to me. The fact that this is written by the same person, maybe it's not that they're not even trying. Maybe what the problem is, is this is somebody that is not your cup of tea. So no matter what he did, you're not going to like it because his stuff just doesn't speak to you. Like I'm saying, it didn't. Rick and Morty does not speak to me just from watching it on the peripheral. Now, it may be a fantastic show. I'm not bad-mouthing it. But could it be that it's it's this creator's vision that is just not gelling with you? I mean, it's possible. Maybe I need to watch some Rick and Morty. But, I mean, it, and it's not even, I don't know. And maybe that is the way these, maybe that's what people appreciate now in animated series is that type of humor and right animation. But... To me, it's just not it's not good. There's nothing there. Like, again, I said this a long time ago. It doesn't make you think. It doesn't make you plan. It doesn't make you hope for the next episode. I've read another review where it says it's easily forgettable. And that is very true. I watched it again earlier this afternoon. And I can't right now. I can't remember a lot of it until we talk about it. Yeah, it's it's almost like they need like a trick story. And, and I'm sure they have this person, but they need somebody to say no on some things. And it seems like they don't have that. It really well, doesn't. Alex Kurtzman is like running the thing. Well, but I don't, know, I, don't know no? how, I don't know how much day-to-day control he has over what the finished product is. And I'm sure they have a whole team of people that's looking, but maybe is it, it isn't the right people. You know, a whole group of people made the new Star Wars movies, but many people see those as being off too. So maybe I'm sure they have people watching steering the direction but maybe it's not the right people i don't know and then and then maybe we need to examine like what's the goal like who are they who are they reaching to like what kind of person are they hoping come over to this obviously cbs thought we need to bring some viewers into the fold here who who are they targeting with that yeah it's not maybe maybe they're being successful i don't know yeah it, it seems as if it's not a not enough devoid of Trekkie to pull in somebody who's not a Trekkie, but it's not enough like Trek to keep the people who are Trekkies already. So it's in a weird place, definitely. Yeah, I read I read another review that said something in similar lines. It's like between between those lines, like it's it's kind of in between screwing itself. Like it it can't really get the geeks and Trekkies, but it's really not getting the people that are not either. Like they're trying to play that middle line and they really losing everybody. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and finish. <laughs> try to get this. Review yeah, so I'll shut up. The reason she likes Balmer. I like how they flipped it on his head where she's not the parasite, but the parasite was on Balmer. So he's releasing mm-hmm. these pheromones to make her like him. So technically she was right all along, just in the wrong way. Yes. Yes. So I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, I thought that was good writing. I thought that was good because he was the problem, not her, you know, and yes, he was out of his league, but he was drawing her in with his pheromone. I thought that was cool. But I kind of feel bad for Bomber because it's this thing where the two women that um, 
that you know wind up becoming friends and Balmer is like in the middle of that. So, yeah. But again, like I'm a little un- unclear on the moral of that plot line. Uh, don't really have any clue. Except, you know, maybe things aren't always like they seem. Maybe. I don't know. I took a moral as be yourself. I mean, that's, yeah, maybe that's I mean, boiler at the end of the day. And I mean, again, it's another cliche relationship problem with somebody tried to be somebody they weren't to try to please somebody they thought they were out of their league when at the end of the day, really, they loved you for who you were. I mean, well, I mean, other Trek shows do similar things. It's not like everything on a normal Trek show is groundbreaking new you know it just has the sci-fi no. element thrown into it so i mean you, we can't be that harsh on it come on man and and this this sounds like being a downer here but maybe the message is sometimes things don't work out and you just have to deal with the consequences the best you can mm. yeah i mean you know if, if you kind of showcase the way it ended up the two became the two women became friends well, he's he may see her again. Well, guess what? It didn't work out. Well, that's life. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and pivot to the uh, Tendi Rutherford plot, which this is the one that really ticked me the frick off. It was cool at first because you have these two ensigns seeing this ship in the USS Vancouver, which I really liked the what they came up with here because this was a. Uh, ship that's used for it's a parliamentary a parliament class ship that focuses on large scale engineering projects. I thought that was a cool concept that I'd never really I guess has been in Trek, but I've never really heard of that before because usually you hear about the medical vessels or the transport vessels. You don't really hear about a disappear, you know, engineering vessel. So I thought that was pretty cool. But anyway, they are enamored by what this ship is and all the cool gadgets and stuff that it has top of the line. You know, they are really taken back by it. So let's talk about, the, <laughs> let's talk about the interactions with Lieutenant Ron uh, docent. Is it docent? I think. And the challenge he gave them for their T-88s. And was <laughs> this is another problem I have T-88s. So is this something they can't get on their ship? You know, I can see some ships being more advanced, but it seemed like every ship would have the same tools. So what 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 about this old challenge? And then we get into this whole plot of the lieutenant not even wanting to be on that ship anymore. And he's trying to switch with them. It just so much of the zaniness that happens in this just feels so out of the ordinary. You know, I like them working together or working against each other to try to get this item. But then when it flips and they are directly disobeying orders from the lieutenant that's that's where it starts to get into the silliness and that i'm not really that pleased that they actually went in the direction any any thoughts on this storyline so mm. like you uh, i'm i'm kind of like okay this t88 thing like like you i'm like why isn't this on every ship like obviously it's just a scanner device which kind of upset me because i mean if this thing is so special I think they should have kind of went into a little bit more of what it does other than point and shoot. Like, I I, I mean, what they were doing with it, they could have done with a tri-quarter. I understand it may be faster, but what makes it faster? Anyway, we get off of that. Also, if it's so special and no other ship has it, but they have hundreds of them, <laughs> yeah. like it can't be that special. Um, again, like you said, it gets it gets to a point where it's just overboard, crazy, silly, you, you get my point. It's just overboard, way overboard. Now, the only part of this plot I did like was the fact that, you know, you get them on the Cerritos and they're talking about how things are breaking out and how old the ship is. And they get this opportunity to be on this brand new great ship, engineering ship and it's all the great things it has. And, you know, I, I took a moral from this. And, you know, at the end, they realized that this guy that has everything that they would want to do in the position they want to be in, he wants to get out at all costs, even if it means falsifying records and forcing through transfer orders to get out of this ship to get to a regular beat up ship, like kind of tell them be happy with where you are. So that part I did like. Um, but they were already happy where they were because they did not want to transfer. Yeah, but they you realize that. They realized that after the fact, but it took him, took him, them realizing he has everything they thought they wanted and he doesn't want to stay. So they made them realize, hey, what we have is good. Yeah. 
And I think that was a good moral. That was a good a good story. Now I think they went about that in a whole wasted <laughs> time. <laughs> uh the T eighty eights really bothered me. Uh, again, like I don't even know what the point. It would have been better if they had made it look sort of like a tricorder. It'd have made it better if it was like, you know, they went through scanning twenty or thirty things. We don't even know what they're scanning. We don't know what they're scanning for, what it scans for. Like it's just a thing that they have a hundred of. Yeah. Anyway, I'll shut up. No, they've only got about fifty now. <laughs> oh my <laughs> right. that, Why would that was the worst part of it? Yes, it goes against everything Starfleet. They've stolen two whole bags of these highly valued T eighty eight scanners. Really? And I'm supposed to like right. these characters later, and you let them steal. I thought it was funny. WTF, and we're supposed man. to like these things, and they and now you got a hundred of them too. Like, Which we'll probably never see again. Right. By the way, they'll probably never like even reference them again. I don't know. I, I think if I'm supposed to like a character, they need they need a moral compass. I don't care how silly they are, and if they're willing to just steal from a, a sister ship, ah, that I can't have that. You know, <laughs> that was too much for me. It ruined okay. that. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, John, I really like the fact that they went into this. Oh, the grass is always green on the other side thing. You know, the Vancouver was uh, prettier, fancier, shinier, but that doesn't always mean better. And, you know, the Lieutenant Lieutenant Run, he's on this ship. They're a prestigious ship, but they're always in the thick of it. You know, they're going they're time traveling. They're always in the next battle or in the next crazy sci fi plot or whatever. And it's driving him crazy. You know, we get the notion that everybody on the Enterprise is always happy, go lucky. I'm glad to be here, but surely there's some people who are like, "Yikes!" Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> every mission we have, I'm about to die. You know, so Barclay, yeah, Bar. <laughs> so I definitely like that they showed this here with him, with that you know, the grass is always greener thing, but the way they laid it out, and it was less. Okay, maybe he did some shady stuff by trying to switch with them, but I really did not like the fact, and I I can't get with the fact that Tindy and Rutherford would would disobey orders directly. You know, I just can't deal with that, and I can't deal with them stealing the T eighty eights. It it made the whole story feel icky to me. Now the disobeying orders thing, I was okay with because they found themselves in a situation where a superior officer was not exactly following the rules, like. He's going to get this transfer through by his grandmother's neighbor being the admiral. Like it, no, in normal circumstances, this transfer wouldn't even work. Number one. Number two, the transfer shouldn't happen without consent from the person being transferred unless it's a disciplinary action. So he already kind of broke that code. You know what I mean? So and I, I kind of put any officer. I'm thinking if it was. LaForge or Riker, like he, I think they would disobey that order because it's just not, it's not right. Like it's, that's not what they agreed to. Like if we go to, if we go to Starfleet and Starfleet go examines the issues and say, you know what, you're going to have to transfer, then let's follow the order. But I mean, by God, the guy tried to on Next Generation tried to transfer data over to the engineering department of Starfleet to break them down, and they Picard disobeyed that. But, but look, they had uh, uh, in this instance they had other options. They never went to their commanding officers. She never went to Captain Freeman. You know, they just took it on themselves to disobey and try to force these orders not to be sent. Because he was about to hit the button. Man, forget that. <laughs> Once he hit that button, it's no more argument. Uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll leave my logic at bay on this one. <laughs> All right. I punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so John, I'm going I have a, a bone to pick with you on the ma- on the the third and I'm going to say the last plot line was the actual ship plot line, which I thought was very good. And I'm going to call this the upper decks folks or the senior officers. In this episode where they are dealing with the diplomacy aspect of Starfleet negotiating these peace talks between these race of people in this system. Uh, Again, this this probably would be the main plot of any normal Star Trek episode. So I'm going to ask a question. What do we think about the Cerritos coming to the aid of the Vancouver, first of all, and then Captain Freeman and crew acting as sort of these with all of their experience of second contact, even though they're a lesser, they're viewed as a lesser ship, even by the captain, as we get in that opening scene. 
but their negotiation and I guess their whole mode of operation with peace talks and negotiating with new races put the Cap- Captain Freeman in a position to actually have these talks with these race of people in this system. Uh, any thoughts on that and this whole control demolition thing? I thought this was a pretty decent storyline that, again, would have been like the main story probably in any other episode or any other series. I thought it was pretty good. Like, I I think we got a win for Captain Freeman. Like, I, I think she, excuse my words, manned up and <laughs> took over the situation. Like, and, you know, this other captain of this great, wonderful ship, you know, should have had this well under control and she has no idea what to do. And Captain Freeman kind of comes in and says, look, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And they're all great ideas. And they're like, wouldn't that work? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think that was the best example of character development pretty much for the entire episode. If you want to look at where the care, you know, where did the character progress? That to me was the best character progression. And if they want to build on that and do well, then this would lead to the Cerritos taking on a little bit more responsibility on a little bit more important mission because of that. And then we see some development that we're all hoping for. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I I just love how it played into the strips of Captain Freeman and the Cerritos, where, like you guys said, we had this other captain who, you know, who was on this better ship and was bragging about how good the ship is, but she couldn't facilitate these negotiations because that's not her strong suit. You know, their engineering vessel. We have this this piece, this uh, second contact vessel that's good at that type of stuff. So. I really loved how that played to Freeman's strengths. And, you know, she just she she just did it like a boss. The final holdout was this rich guy on the planet <laughs> with two people who were the final holdout on negotiations for destroying this moon or demolition this moon. And once she found out it was two people, she's like, load up. <laughs> yeah, that, that was now that was good. That, was yeah, boss, that gave me a smile. For yeah. sure. That gave me a smile. She's like she looked at him and said, it was just you two implode the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I love I really loved her plot line in this episode. Like I I kind of took a look back at that like if that had been Captain Picard in that situation, like he would have still tried to convince this guy <laughs> of why it was a good idea he wasn't on this moon. Like I she's like, screw you and her. You were gonna blow this crap up and deal with the consequences later. Yep. Yeah, just good stuff, man, because that's a lot of what Star Trek is having these negotiations between these races and um, species and, you know, Starfleet kind of being the uh, liaison or or negotiator between these two to try to make peace. And that happens in a lot of episodes. I I love seeing it here, man. I thought it was good. All right. uh, I think that's pretty much it. Does anybody else have any takeaways from the episode that they want to bring up before we wrap things up? Um. That's about it. I know, so one part that kind of inked me a little bit, and I know we've talked about this a lot, and I know it happens in Star Trek, but like we always talk about the profanity that's used in Trek. Well, this is an animated series, and I, uh, I'm okay with some profanity, but GD was thrown out there. Really? And I think that kind of crossed the line. Who said it? Do you remember? God, who was Was that? it Freeman? Uh, no, it was... Was it the engineering officer that was trying to do the transfer? I it think so. may have been. Yeah. And the word sex was usually used a lot in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, and I could, I can kind of overlook that, but... Even the naked bomber? <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but we've seen that in the uh, trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed the episode. Let's go around, go ahead and get ratings for the episode, and I will start. I will give it a 3.7. I I enjoyed it, man. I thought it was pretty decent. It's up there with the better ones we've had, I feel. Haven't gotten a four yet out of these episodes, but hope springs eternal. So what about you guys? Let's start with you, Kyle. You know what? I'm going to keep with the 3.7. I am accepting it for what it is, like I said at the beginning. And based on that, I think it could be better. So I'm not going to give it, you know, I don't want to rate it too high. But at the end of the day, I wasn't mad or reluctant to watch it i spent 20 something minutes and it had a doctor who quote so you know what doctor who quote i'm going to get a 3.75 five more points for the doctor (laughs) who quote oh yeah 
What about you, Jeremy? So I'm going to give it a 2.5 because it is better than what we started with. But I feel like, especially after hearing everyone today, and I can't unsee some of the things that y'all have said, that my initial reaction to this episode has gone as backtracked to not as good as I thought it was. Hmm. But I mean, it, but it's still it's it's still better than what we've had. So I'm gonna give it two point five. And finally, John, I'm starting back at one point five. So, <laughs> and I don't want to take anything. The frustration you hear from me to on this recording tonight is my frustration as the show overall. The episode itself, I don't think, was better or worse than the very first episode. So saying that, I will give it a 1.5. Hmm. Yeah, man. And at some point, I'm going to put up a page on DiscussingTrek.com that has all of our scores for the entire season. <laughs> so we have it in a grid so we can see what, what our thoughts were over time. That should be interesting. Um, so at some point, I have that up. But yeah, yeah, um, that's it, guys. Um, wrapping this up, Cupid's Errant Arrow. So let's just go around the horn and see what everyone has been working on, listening to, or watching podcast related or otherwise. And let's start with you, Jeremy. What's going on, man? Um, just work like everybody else. And um, I had just finished, I don't know if anybody else has watched this show, but uh, Cobra Kai just came out on Netflix not too long ago. And I have streamed the every available episode of it already. So it's a really great show. If you haven't seen it, if you like The Karate Kid or grew up in the 80s, you'll appreciate this show. It's got that nice mix of nostalgia plus new. Um, it's a bit of a throwback, but it still moves forward. So it's a great, it's a great show. Everybody should give it a shot. Yeah, I'm kind of anxious to watch that because I know at first it was a YouTube original. It started off as a YouTube original. Um, yeah, and I wasn't about to pay them 20 bucks a month to, <laughs> for anything. I want to say it's Will Smith's production company. Am I wrong in saying Yes. That? No, oh. you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely want to check that out at some point. But I guess I have to get Netflix again to do that. So maybe someday in the future. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, what about you, man? Podcast later, otherwise. Oh, uh, man. What have I been watching? Uh, not much. I'm still, you know, of course, going through DS9 and Voyager. So that's always a classic. Uh, started watching the first episode of the Netflix show Away. Uh, and it's um, basically about a group of astronauts from NASA on the first manned mission to Mars. Mm. Uh, reason I started watching this is because it's actually a lot of reviews, a lot of people, a lot of scientists are saying this is probably the closest approximation of what this trip would be like, uh, number one. And number two, there are rumors if they're greenlit for season two, that they're going to involve SpaceX some kind of way. So I'm interested in seeing that. Huh, wait, when did this come out? Uh, it's already, it's two seasons in, so it's been, a, I, I don't know when it came out. It hadn't, it's not new, but all of a sudden it's become popular. So it's like number three on Netflix right now, I think. Okay, I might have to get my Netflix back. I'm a huge Hillary, Hillary Swank fan. So I might, I might have to get this if I hadn't already mentioned, I think I mentioned it before, but I finished uh, David Goggins' audio book called Get Hard, which is a great, motivational, inspiring book you should definitely read or listen to. That's what's up, man. Awesome. All right. Well, Cal Jones, what about you, man? Podcast related otherwise. Since I've already mentioned Doctor Who, I'll just mention Doctor Who once again. And I will say if you're a Doctor Who fan, of course, check out Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. Awesome. And as for me, unfortunately, I haven't watched a whole lot of Trek over the last week other than this episode. So I can't really recommend anything I've been watching per se. But I will say that John has inspired me to get back in the gym, trying to be as safe as possible with that. So um, still a little scared, but I am back in the gym and actually it's refreshing to because I used to be kind of my outlet to relieve stress and stuff. So uh, but weirdly enough, it's stressful being in there now because of COVID. So I don't know. <laughs> stay, awesome, man. Try, trying to stay safe as much as possible and wearing my mask in there and praying that uh, COVID <laughs> doesn't touch me. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Just getting back in the gym and trying to stay safe with it as in all things um, lately. 
So, yeah, I would recommend that. And also to check out the Relativity podcast as it's wrapping up its show run, its entire show run, uh, uh, currently coming up or just released episode 58 of 60. So, yeah, we're down to the final few episodes. So definitely check out the Relativity podcast. And as always, uh, like I said, you can send in fan mail to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any of the social medias. And yeah, guys, thanks for joining once again. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.